The problem is when we have 10 leads, we don't know which one is going to become revenue, right? That's the issue. That's why we use this, the math of averages. But the math of averages doesn't work anymore. Okay? Because if you start firing conversion events for every lead that comes in, you're telling Google, hey, Google, thanks so much. It just may, you may be 200 quid when you got a mm -hmm. lead. That lead may be a bot. That opt-in could be a fake contact. Like a lot of people launch on YouTube on performance max and like, I'm getting all these fake opt-ins. Why are these people opting in? They're opting in because that's how those made for advertising sites make money. You know, they hire those click farms to go in and fill out your forms because that sprinkles happy juice into your Google's algorithm. And Google knows, hey, I got I can get some easy leads from here. I can keep going there and just grabbing those easy leads. It can't tell the difference between a bad lead and a good one. So mm. it's your job to tell Google, this lead is good, this one not so much. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Selling Online Courses. We're here to share winning strategies and secret hacks from top performers in the online course industry. My name is John Ainsworth, and today's guest is Alex McCarsky. Alex is an engineer turned marketer, founder of clickmakers.io and co-founder of measurebit.com. He's been working with big data since before there was even a name for it, consulting for brands like McDonald's, P&G, and Siemens. He's served as CTO or CMO on the executive teams of several technology companies, now certified by AdSkills, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, The Trade Desk, and Stack Adapt. Alex and his team have managed millions of dollars in monthly ad spend for organizations ranging from open source software to lead gen, from digital products to e-com. And today we're going to be talking about Google ads, whether you should use them, how to use AI to improve your traffic and about tracking as well. Now, before we dive into today's interview, I want to remind you that you can learn how to two to five times your revenue by going to datadrivenmarketing.co slash webinar. There's a recording of a 45 minute presentation I gave to hundreds of online course creators about the process that we use with our clients to two to five times their revenue. I've had people come up to me at conferences after watching this presentation who have made tens of thousands of dollars from implementing one of the techniques. So go to datadrivenmarketing.co slash webinar and sign up. Alex, welcome to the show, man. It's going to be fine, man. So you've said before that paid media is a powerful magnifier. It can launch an already successful business to orbit or make an unsuccessful one crash and burn almost instantly. So how do people figure out which of those they are and when they should start to use pain media? Well, I'm sure people know if the bank account is growing or not, like which direction is going in. But yeah, paid media should be treated with respect because it's not going to solve. Like People sometimes come to us trying to solve their own problem with traffic, where it's their offer. They should probably come to you first have you work on their funnel, have you help them improve the unit economics before they start handing, you know, take, take a big shovel and start handing over the a big stash of money to Google, Facebook, or whomever. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Because I know you're a big fan of Harry Marshall's work, and he's got the tactical triangle, which is based around traffic, conversion, and economics. And most people, a lot of people, try and solve problems through traffic. And some people in the organic space are really good at traffic and then they drive tons of traffic and the whole thing, even though the rest of their business stinks, like they're just really yeah. bad at converting people into email leads, converting email leads into sales. They, their revenue per sale is dreadful. Even despite that, they just managed to do it through, through driving a lot of traffic because they're really good on camera. They do great on YouTube. They build up a big audience on Instagram, whatever it is. Right. 
but paid media like i just it doesn't work if you don't have the other bits in place like maybe maybe it had done at some points in the past if you were like you were in an area where the the cost per click was really low but i just don't see it now if you don't have and everything gets so much easier when you do have those things working if your revenue per sale is high your customer lifetime value is high you know people come back they refer more business to you you have good conversion rate on your landing page you have a good conversion rate in your email campaigns all of that stuff then you put paid ads at the front and the whole thing all works great but when you haven't got all of that it's like oh man that's just throwing good money after bad it's not not a good idea at all well, there's a good argument that can be made for launching paid media as a test to mm-hmm. know what's working. Pierre Marshall mentioned above, he has a, a saying that it's really hard to steer a parked car, you know, so you need some traffic to flow for you to know like which direction you're going in, you know, like a boat that's sitting in the water. Like you can jerk that gear, you know, left and right, but it's not going to turn the boat. It's the boat, boat is just, just sitting there, right? So you, you need you need some momentum and Paid traffic can give you a lot that momentum, but you need to understand the phase in life of your business, of your pro- of, of your product. If you're buying the traffic to create this momentum to understand how to work the economics, unit economics within your funnel, to test things, to continually improve them, or if you're looking for traffic to actually solve your problems, the traffic is not going to solve your problems. The traffic is going to give you a scale. Traffic is going to be a magnifying glass that will expose all the problems you haven't addressed in your funnel. But once things click, it's it's a beautiful thing. It's just like watching a launch of a rocket, right? It's just sometimes when things click in place, it's just so fun. How often do you see that work with the testing side of things? Because here's what I've seen a bunch of times is people say they want to do it with testing. They want to, they want to test with paid media. And then they start doing it and then they see the money leaving the bank account month after month while they're trying to figure out all the steps in the funnel. And then they stop and they give up with it because it's just too scary. And that's what I actually see versus the hypothesis, which is, yeah, you put the money into ads, you keep refining and testing and improving until eventually it gets to the stage where it works. And then you start to scale it up. Maybe I'm just not seeing it because I don't know the right people. Like, does it work like that in practice? It does. It does. Uh, But you need to have a bit of a stamina to sustain that period of taking losses and seeing those days when your PL is going to be in red, in the red for, for a bit, right? And like you need to be measuring your progress by not looking at the PL, but looking at the KPIs that keep improving, that keep moving in the right direction. So, yeah, it's hard. And, and it, Every time you open a new channel, you start this process over. You start losing money for a bit. And each new channel you activate, chances are that channel is going to be harder to break into. It's going to require a bigger stash of money to learn what's working in that specific channel. Like what kind of creative, what kind of audiences. If you have it working in one channel, like a lot of people come to us when things are already working great in Facebook and they need mm-hmm. more things to work. Like be it YouTube, be it Google search, be it Performance Max. We, we run across a bunch of channels. Like we're not one trick pony. We like Google as a that's a jam. We're a premier partner for Google, which puts us in the top three percent of agencies, whichever the way Google measures it. I have no idea. We're, we're still a small <laughs> team. <laughs> but we we do get access to some betas that Google releases. We get some help from them, including the use of their office space in Redwood City. So we have 
somewhat more intimate relationship with them than you know many other networks. We have a really good relationship with Tabula, like Vonetifaz, for example. We work in establishing relationships with a lot of other networks. We have seen some decent reps uh, talk, talking to us from Pinterest, for example. So we activated some weird channels for certain clients. We Very often we come in and when there's an in-house media buying department that already has a good handle on Google search and usually Facebook, those are usually the first two channels that pretty much everyone conquers. Mm-hmm. We're amazing at both. Like we have media buyers that are good at both, but that's not that much of a unique skill anymore, but we're very good at activating channels that uh, an average media buyer doesn't know what to do with. We have some really amazing success stories with YouTube and Display. We have some done some decent spends on Native, Pinterest, Critio, Programmatic. We've done a good amount of work with Connected TV. So like there's a all the interesting new things that we walk into and launch for clients. Like right now we're in the process of launching campaigns on LinkedIn and Reddit and Twitter. So some clients are interested in activating those. So some of the guys are so experienced, they can transfer their knowledge from channel to channel and things change all the time on, on all those things. So it's the foundational holistic view that some people are able to hold in their in their head and understand how to approach an entirely new channel. We've done some programmatic email, for example. Some of our clients do email drops. And those those are very powerful channels that like the ever like 80% of your listeners probably have had no idea existed. But yeah. <laughs> um, this this can be very powerful. Interesting. Okay. So you mentioned in there a couple of things I want to pick up on. You said that a lot of people come to you when they've got it working with Facebook and then you help them to get it working with the next channel, whether that is Google or YouTube or, you know, Taboola or programmatic email or whatever. Is Facebook a good one to start with for most people? Like if somebody listening has got organic traffic coming in, maybe it's SEO traffic, maybe they've got a YouTube channel, like how do they decide where to get started if they do want to do some paid media. Yeah, so Facebook is great for someone starting small with tiny daily budget, tiny tiny ad spend, like maybe it's 100 bucks a day or something like that, maybe even less in a lot of cases. It's about the only place we can start very, very small. Google sometimes works as well, especially in uh, non-English speaking markets. You can find places where clicks are going to be you know, 25 cents, 30 cents. And you can still buy enough data with not that much money. But generally, Google has become very competitive. There's a very high intent clicks. So there's a lot of advertisers competing for those. And that drives up the price for the auction. And those clicks, very very often, you're just being priced out of the, the market. Like if you don't have a funnel that's already working, like it may be hard to compete there. If you have some organic presence, if the if there's a good amount of your branded traffic spilling over from your social media, dark social, like where people are just talking about you in in forums and discussing you over their dinner table, and someone goes up the phone and starts googling your name or your brand, you know that's that's great. You can capture that traffic relatively inexpensively on Google. That's that's also a good place to start. But you need to understand that this is 
the very bottom of the marketing funnel. This is the place that I'm about to convert regardless of what you do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't get too excited when you get an amazing conversion rate. This this is the easy money to pick up and which you should do absolutely. But don't expect the economics that you see on that super high intent, super hot traffic to stay the same like as you expand across channels because other traffic sources are not going to perform as great. And you will need to change your approach quite dramatically. Gotcha. Like when you go to something like Tabula native ads, like that's some very, very cold traffic. Like you will need to do some pretty amazing job with your landing pages in order to get eke out any action like from the traffic that's coming out from native ads. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. So probably if you're going to start somewhere with this, start with Facebook because you can do a low amount of money per day. But really start a stage before with making sure you've got a good customer lifetime value, good average order value, good conversion rates on your landing page, et cetera, and then maybe add in Facebook ads. And then once you start to get that working, well, then you can start to expand out to other media, at which point maybe someone will get in touch with you. Yeah, I would would say Facebook and a combination of Facebook and Google search is probably where most people should start. Again, with a caveat that in some niches, like we've seen clicks to become so expensive that you would be paying 150 bucks per click and sometimes 400 bucks a click. Again, most of the audience would not be in that territory. Yeah. So if most of the listeners here, it would be a few dollars per click. And those are very high intent clicks should be relatively easy to convert. So there's no point in not getting the traffic because those are conversions waiting to happen. That's latent intent that you just tap into and just make more cash. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about if someone's a bit further along than that. Someone's they're already doing paid media. They're already making progress with it, but they want to start to up their skills with it. Now, AI is obviously a hot topic at the moment. And uh, I know that AI is something that you've done some, some work around as well with all the stuff you're doing in the agency. Can you tell everybody what doggy treat training is for AI? <laughs> Yes. So whenever someone talks about the AI these days, they usually mean things like ChatGPT and Midjourney, like all this generative AI, which has a lot of value, uh, offers a lot of value to any marketing department or any marketing organization. We use it a lot, but this is not where we're going to go today, I think, based on your question. So the AI or rather machine learning that the one I want to talk about a little bit more is the... Uh, type of machine learning that makes decisions on our behalf inside the auction, which is uh, an ad impression. So each ad impression creates an instant real-time auction where advertisers do get out and, you know, and machine decides whose ads are admitted into the auction and which ad gets to be shown in a specific spot. So that happens across a bunch of networks, but there's a very important wrinkle on this process that is relatively new that a lot of people don't quite understand yet. This wrinkle has to do with the fact that a lot of networks are becoming multi-channel. So uh, in Google, we have this campaign type called Performance Max. Performance Max campaigns can go across search, shopping, display, video, basically native ads, which is Google Discovery, you know, Gmail, like everywhere that Google has access to, this campaign has a chance to buy some inventory for us. And that is a very important development. This is just 
makes your campaigns adds another dimension to your campaigns, which didn't exist before. So in the past, I could just manage search as search, and I would be confident that most of my traffic's coming from, you know, just regular Google search results. With now, like when I launched Performance Max, this impression can come from anywhere, from high intent, high to win, very expensive search auction versus low intent, super cold, very cheap impression on a display network. So Performance Max is, is one type of a good example of a multi-channel campaign that, that is multi-channel by its very design, right? But it does, it's not limited to just that campaign type. YouTube these days, like any type of conversion objective that you run on YouTube, like target CPA, target prowess, that becomes a multi-channel campaign as well. About two years ago, it was going to be two years in October when Google made a very important change in the algorithm. And now when you think you're launching an ad that is, you know, that annoying ad that you get to see on YouTube when you're trying to watch a video and there's another video comes up that plays before the video you want to watch or in the middle. Well, that we used to be able to buy just that. You know, we, we used to be able to upload a clip to our channel and launch it as an ad and say, hey, YouTube, this is the kind of inventory I want to buy. I want to have my video interrupt someone else's video and I want them to watch that. Now it becomes more like Performance Max. I, it can be that. There's going to be a little bit of that. There's going to be also some display ads in the user's YouTube feed. So when they do a search on YouTube, we just open YouTube, there's going to be some banners. There's going to be thumbnails for videos and there's going to be a thumbnail for your video as well like it's not a video it's a thumbnail so it's a display ad basically mm-hmm. you can also buy some inventory on the display network someone could be on like forbes.com read an article and there's going to be a video in the corner somewhere or in the middle of the article or it can, could be a banner right so youtube is now able to buy inventory from a bunch of different places as an extra dimension to the campaign. We already had a bunch of dimensions. Now, now there's an extra one to deal with. And that changes the nature of media buying in a very dramatic sense. It's like, like the doggy treat thing that you asked me about. It becomes driven. So now we're delegating the job that we used to do as media buyers, which is deciding which auctions to enter, how much to bid in this auction. We're delegating this job to the machine. And even the job of deciding which network we're going to spend money on like video, display, you know, email, all that stuff goes, again, to the machine. Like the machine has to make the decision inside the auction on our behalf when we're not around. And the machine is better equipped to make this decision generally because the machine has access to literally thousands of signals that we as media buyers sitting in, at a desk in front of the screen. We don't have access to this, these signals because we're not there in those milliseconds when the decision is made. Like me, Alex Makarski, sitting in front of my computer as, as a user, I represent a different value, different value to the auction as the same person, me. So demographically, psychographically, you know, I'm the same person, but I'm standing in line to pay for gas, you know, just, or groceries, checking some news on my phone. That's a very different context, like for, for the same user. Mm-hmm. and represents a very different auction, right? And the machine is able to adjust those decisions and make those decisions in split seconds, in literally milliseconds. So in order for the machine to do good decisions, we need to train it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. we, talk, we call it artificial intelligence. 
And the training of that intelligence is very similar to training other types of intelligence we're familiar with, like a dog, right? So we had the puppy three years ago. He's three years old now running around. And I remember going through this training and making sure that he doesn't make a pile on the carpet in the middle of the living room. You know, you want him to go outside, not, not right here. It's easier to go right here. It's right here in the house. It's comfortable, right? There's no rain or hailstorm. It's, it's right here in the house, right? But we want him to go outside. So same with the machine. Like We don't want the machine to shy away from going into hard-to-win, high-intent auctions because these are high-quality clicks that we're going to win. It's way easier for the machine to go into low-intent, like super-cold, bot-infested, click-farm-infested auctions and grab us a bunch of fake traffic. Mm. So it's all about training the machine Basically explaining to the algorithm what's important to us, like what we value the most in our business. Mm. And and the, the when you optimize for revenue, like a lot of those questions go away. Like we, we have a client who essentially decided instead of collecting free leads in their market, they decided to sell a low fee product. So they have a $5 offer, $7 mm. offer as a, as a front end. They don't even collect leads at all. But a lot of businesses, you have to collect leads. And then the question becomes, let's say you have an offer, let's say it's uh, 2,000 pounds and you have, you need 10 leads to get one order. You know, what's the value of the lead? Like everyone's going to say, well, it's 200 quid. That used to be a good enough answer. Like back in the 20th century, like when we did direct mail, TV ads, newspaper ads, and we could launch a campaign, keep the the parameters in, intact, like we wouldn't, like the parameters would not change as the campaign is running. We would mm-hmm. get the data, would analyze it, adjust it, relaunch the campaign. We don't have this opportunity to stop and think and adjust anymore. It happens instantly within the machine. Mm-hmm. All right. So the the correct the only correct answer to this question, and it has always been, is that there's one lead worth two thousand pounds and nine leads worth exactly zero. Like we need to remember this truth, like the kernel of this truth. The problem is when we have 10 leads, we don't know which one is going to become revenue, right? That's the issue. That's why we use this, the math of averages. But the math of averages doesn't work anymore. Because if you start firing conversion events for every lead that comes in, you're telling Google, hey, Google, thanks so much. You may be 200 quid when you got a Mm -hmm. lead. That lead may be a bot. That opt-in could be a fake contact. Like a lot of people launch on YouTube on performance max and like, I'm getting all these fake opt-ins. Why are these people opting in? They're opting in because that's how those made for advertising sites make money. You know, they hire those click farms to go in and fill out your forms because that sprinkles happy juice into your Google's algorithm. And Google knows, hey, I got I can get some easy leads from here. I can keep going there and just grabbing those easy leads. It can't tell the difference between a bad lead and a good one. So mm. it's your job to tell Google, this lead is good, this one not so much. We may not be able to say with 100% certainty that this lead is worth 2,000 pounds, but we may say this one's worth, you know, I don't know, 750, and this one's worth maybe 7 pounds, right? And this one is 58 or something like that, probabilistically, right? Or we can be able to disqualify a bunch of them immediately because we immediately see that those are fake email addresses and, mm. and names, like very often you can just immediately discard a whole bunch of garbage 
So the trick is to delay the firing of your conversion events until you have a little bit more information. And more information come from several places. If you have a sales team, your sales team can qualify those leads. So you can just delay the firing of the event until your SDR, your salesperson, or whoever, your VA has a chance to review the lead and verify that this is a real person. Mm -hmm. You can kick off an API call and get some extra data from companies like Atadata, uh, formerly known as Tower Data. We work with several other data providers as well, a company called Thumos and Crystalytics. You can kick off a simple API call and get back a bunch more columns to this data set. So maybe you're just getting the email address right now, but all of a sudden for like a few cents, you can get information like their social media handles and you can go on those and verify that this is a real person, that they do have an interest in your topic. This is not a random email being thrown in by, by a spammer into your funnel, right? You can sometimes get things like, do they own a home or do they rent? How much mortgage do they carry, right? They, that kind of stuff. So you can actually add more data to your data set, add more columns to your data set to make a more informed decision about the value of this lead to your business. And then instead of just firing a conversion event and saying, Google, thank you for the 200 pounds you made me, you can say, well, Google looks like it probably made me 120 pounds right now. Or this one, yeah, maybe 25. And all of a sudden, your lead gen becomes more like e-com. It becomes more like um, you can, instead of running on target CPA, you can run it, your lead gen on, on target robot scenario. Well, that sounds like some smart shit. Fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> well, to simplify, to simplify it, let's say, yeah. to, to explain, this is not like we do it voluntarily. This is the way networks are pushing us. This is, this is the new reality we have to contend with. Mm. I'm not saying that this is a good idea that, hey, do this is going to be better. I'm saying this is a remedy to problem that we have to deal with as media buyers because we just don't have a way to scale our campaigns any other way. This is the only way yeah. forward that networks are giving us, right? We need to learn how to work with these tools. And going back to the dog metaphor, let's say... You have a dog that likes likes to chase after bicycles. Like you have two options in in real life, right? You can walk this dog on a short leash. That's one way, or you could train this dog not to chase after bicycles. And what's happening right now in the media buying world is that we have the dog and they're taking the leash away. Mm. So if you didn't train your dog, it's going to chase after the bicycles. Got it. Yeah, fascinating. Right, let's take a, a different angle for a minute here in, in terms of how people can improve their business. I want to talk about the importance of supportive communities. So we're both in a group called the DC, Dynamite Circle. If anybody wants to look it up, I think it's probably dynamitecircle.com. How have you found that helpful and what's been useful for you about that? I think it's been an amazing community of people who are in the same wavelengths Everyone's building something interesting. Like some people are buying, selling businesses. Some people just starting out and looking for that traction. Some people are scaling their businesses. Uh, like you and I are in a slightly more advanced tier of that group. And uh, I felt pretty smug like walking into that group and like, hey, I, I made it. And then I spoke with some guys in there like, holy crap, like they're so further along than me. <laughs> <laughs> Humbling, isn't it? It's good, <laughs> it's good to get humbled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they've built some massive businesses. And I'm like, holy crap, that's, but it just shows you what's possible, right? It's just mm-hmm. hanging around in, in the circle of people who are further along is very important, but also, you know, having a bunch of people you call friends who are working on something really interesting. I don't have a circle around me locally that I can tap into that would be, I do have some of it, but not to the same degree that you get through Dynamite Circle. It's just when you are an entrepreneur and this is your outlet to be creative in mm-hmm. the world out there, right? Like you just want to hang out with other people who are doing something as cool or even cooler. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a fucking great group. I joined back in I think 2016, something like that. And it's been like absolutely integral for me because there's just so much stuff that you, you head down in your business trying to do things, you don't realize what all of the options are, what all the things other people are doing. And when you talk to the people, you're like, oh, there's this and this and this and this angle that I didn't even consider. I didn't even know that I didn't know it. And then there's the whole emotional support side of things of like, you're all doing hard shit at the same time and you all get it. I go out sometimes with my non-business friends and I'm like, I just can't talk about like, oh, I had this great win. This thing's working really well. Nobody wants to hear it. And then if I talk about the shit that's difficult, they don't understand what the fuck I'm talking about anyway. I'm just like, you need other people who are running businesses to be able to bounce some of this stuff off, you know? Yeah, people outside of our circles, they just have no grid like for to understand what we're talking about and what we're living through like what the kind of stuff we're going through like our lives are a mystery to them some of them think they're easy some of them think we're crazy but there's just no way for them to you know there's there's no way to have an educated conversation with them about like there's no way to get get deep with them right yeah they, they just can't relate yeah yeah totally so that's that's why community like this is very important there there are a few of them out there and i've been in several and dynamo circle is is top of the pile for sure if you're interested in joining the dc then go to dynamitecircle.com if you're in london and you want to come check out one of the meetups we do meetups every month or if you're in the uk anywhere and you want to come down and hang out with us hit me up well, I'm, I'm not in the uk but i made sure that i attend you made it over UK yeah <laughs> <laughs> so we do these monthly meetups though and you're welcome to if you're doing six figures already if you're a course business owner and you're doing six figures then hit me, drop me an email, john at datadrivenmarketing.co, and you're welcome to come down and join up with us. I'll introduce you to the group and to everybody and make sure you feel really welcome. And you can do that without having to without having to join first and just check that you you vibe with everybody. But yeah, if you're anywhere in the world, there's these monthly meetups, there's these events. I ran the one with my friends Noel and Shona in London uh, in July this year, and Alex came along, which was great. We had a hundred of us hanging out. It was fucking brilliant. So thanks so much, Alex, for coming on today and sharing your wisdom. If people want to learn more about working with you guys around ads, what should they do? They just drop you an email? Yeah. So Alex at clickmakers.io. It's the IO, not .com. That's clickmakers. Yeah. Um, I'll reply and we'll have a conversation. But circling back to your question, how does someone know like if they're ready to start scaling? I think yeah. there's ways to invite someone like one of us to review their funnels and their products and analyze their numbers. Yeah, that's a great starting point, isn't it? You guys do a, an audit, don't you? It's like your first offering for Absolutely, people to yeah. figure it out. Yeah. yeah, we charge a small fee for that, but, but we do uh, go like, pretty deep into 
like all the numbers and make sure that like if you if you're about to start spending on traffic like we make sure that you're ready for that perfect nice so if you want that if you want to get an audit done if you want to just get in touch with alex to find out if this is right for you then uh, alex at was clickmakers.io did i get that right you got it alex at clickmakers.io perfect Thanks so much for listening, guys. And like I said, if you're in if you're in London or the UK and you're interested in coming and hanging out with us, then drop me an email, john at datadrivenmarketing.co. And if you found the interview useful, you want to get future episodes, subscribe wherever you listened. Thanks so much for coming on, Alex. And thanks so much to you guys for listening. Thanks for having me.